0: We've started our year in a sermon series that we're calling Faith Fundamentals. And so we're walking alongside the confirmation class as they explore central questions of faith together. We began two weeks ago with the conviction that faith is about the work of seeking the God who is seeking us. And so each week we're asking a new question Because we believe that the relationship we have with God is actually strengthened by asking questions. By leaning into the wisdom of Christians who have walked before us. By taking the Bible seriously and wrestling with who we understand God to be. So this week we're asking the question, what does it mean to say that God is a God of covenant? In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, for us today. And we heard the promise of the new covenant read by Catherine Knuckles just a minute ago. And now we step back into the Old Testament, into the first covenant we find in Scripture with the story of Noah. So the story of Noah is one that I think sort of floats around in our vernacular. There are full-length feature films made about this story, and it's easy to assume that we know the story of Noah, but I thought it might be helpful before this morning's reading if we review that story together. And uh, we're going to try something. You get to be a part of telling the story, so buckle up. So the story goes, starting round about Genesis 7, that God looked upon the earth, the world that God had created, and saw that the thoughts and actions of human beings were good or evil? Okay, evil. Far from the care of the earth and its creatures that God had intended, right? And it broke God's heart. So God planned to send what? A flood, a whole lot of rain, to destroy the earth, except that God took notice of one particular person named? Excellent. He noticed Noah and his family, and he called Noah to build? Excellent. You're winning. This huge boat, this giant boat with enough room for all of Noah's family, and how many of every creature? There you go. Two of every creature. And Noah heard this call from God and did it. We don't really know why, but did. Built this giant boat. And soon after that, it began to rain. And there was a great flood. And it rained for how long? Forty days days and forty nights. And this flood was so deep that according to Genesis, it destroyed everything on the earth except Noah and those in the ark. And then God remembered Noah, and the waters started to go down, and so Noah opened the window of the ark and sent out a dove. And the first time, the dove came back with, shortly after with nothing in its mouth. So Noah waited a few days, and he sent the dove out again, and this time the dove came back with an olive branch. And Noah knew that the waters were going down and the flood would soon be over. And the waters receded, and finally he sent the dove out for the third time, and this time the dove did not come back. And so the flood ended, and Noah and his family and all the animals exited the ark. And Scripture says that Noah built an altar to the Lord, and God remembered Noah. All right, so that's the story right before where we pick up this morning in Genesis chapter 9. So listen for the word of God. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal on the earth as many as came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy all the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all the future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all the earth. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember this everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. and May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So sometimes the Holy Spirit does a thing, and Amanda and I did not coordinate uh, her children's time with the start of my sermon, but uh, sometimes it just lines up perfectly. So my question for you this morning is, how often do you need reminding? If you're like me, then sometime during the Christmas season, you maybe watched or re-watched for the 30th time, the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and in it... We meet sweet Uncle Billy, who is responsible for running the building and loan with George Bailey, and Uncle Billy's primary shortcoming is that he's forgetful. He makes his way through the movie with multiple strings, not just one like Amanda, but multiple strings tied around different fingers to try to help him remember the important things he's supposed to do, except that sometimes he can't remember what the string is for. And there is something so wonderfully relatable about Uncle Billy, because all of us need and use reminders one way or the other. For those parents out there, I imagine that you, like me, are often exhausted by constantly reminding your children of things. Don't forget your coat. Where are your shoes? Did you put your homework in your backpack? But it's not just our children, The sheer number of reminders that we get these days blows me away. So, this past week, I got two texts, a phone call, and an email reminding me about a doctor's appointment that I had already confirmed. I received three emails and a flyer about career day at the kids' school, and Sign Up Genius and Paperless Post will automatically send you reminders three days before the birthday party my daughter's going to this afternoon, or to remind you of the groceries you signed up to deliver for in-town cares. You get those reminders whether you like them or not. We are totally guilty of it at church, too. When something's coming up that we're really excited about around here, you're going to see it in the e-news and on the back of the bulletin and in a social media blast, and we're probably going to say something about it at the beginning of worship. The phones we carry around in our pockets will give you a 10-minute reminder before every single thing that is on your calendar and my favorite part of worship these days is watching you all at 11:50 because about half of you have apple watches and you all start to squirm because your watch tells you to stand up. I didn't know we needed a reminder to stand up. It's like we know that we're going to forget. Even though we really want to remember. And so our days become noisy with beeps and dings of all the reminders we set so that we do not forget to do the things that are really important. And it got me thinking about today's story of Noah and the rainbow, the first of God's many covenants with humanity. I like to think of it maybe as the first of God's many reminders, So we retold the story of Noah together just now, and for most of us, this is not a new story. We tell and retell the stories of Scripture for the same reason that we set reminders on our phones. Because there's something in these stories that we want, we even need, to remember. But as I spent time with Noah's story this week, I have to say that of all the stories in the Bible, it's worth asking if this is the one that we want to remember. It's so common that we teach it as a children's story. It's one of the first stories in almost every children's Bible. But it's not actually the easiest story to tell or one that leaves us feeling particularly good. Because this God that we strive to love and worship looked out at humanity, saw the brokenness and sinful ways of the people, and decided to destroy the earth, except for this one chosen man, Noah, and his family. And it led me to ask all sorts of very real questions. What made Noah so special? Is it even possible to build an ark large enough for two of every creature? And how did the predators and the prey get along for 40 days? Then there's the even more real questions. What about the people who didn't make it on the ark? Their ways were evil, said scripture, but did God really stop loving or caring about them? Is our sin really worthy of death? And suddenly, this story we tell as a children's story doesn't feel like a kid's story anymore. I talked to a few of you this week who said, I saw that preacher's post and I can't stand that story. Because the story itself makes us a little uncomfortable and asks us to ask very real questions And As interesting as all of those questions are, and as important as they are to take on, the real question it left me asking was, why did this story, this bedrock story, get included in the Bible at all? Why is it a story that was told and retold in the oral traditions until the priests wrote it down as part of the Torah and it became God's word for us? Why is it a story in Scripture that we want to remember? And to remember, well, where's the good news? Pastor Emma's sermon last week focused on how we think about Scripture and the Bible's authority in our lives. And she very wisely guided us to read Scripture through the lens of love through a lens that acknowledges that of all the good and the bad and the ugly stories in Scripture, God and Jesus take most seriously a concern for human suffering. And as much as that suffering is a reality in our world, she also reminded us that suffering is never where God leaves us in Scripture. Not for the bent-over woman last week, not for Jesus, and not for Noah. So I wonder if we are called to remember this story not because of the suffering caused by the flood, but because of God's response to it. If we take Emma's wisdom about reading scripture seriously, then God surely looked upon that suffering and destruction and said, this is not what I want for the world I created or my relationship with it. And God's response is a covenant, a promise never to destroy the earth again. And with that covenant comes a sign, a reminder of God's commitment. Scripture says God puts a rainbow in the sky. And this rainbow becomes a holy reminder, not just a reminder that beauty comes after storms, But the word in Scripture is a bow. God puts a bow, like a bow and arrow, bow in the sky, intentionally pointed away from the earth, a reminder not to destroy. The good news of this story is that God's steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting, and God chooses, in fact, promises a renewed relationship with all creation. At the end of the storm, God chooses and promises to love creation again. The bow serves as that reminder of the covenant promise between God and not just humanity, but all living creatures. Genesis says that when God sees the bow in the sky— God will remember the covenant. Now we had an extensive debate about this in partner with the preacher on Monday about whether God needs reminders the way we do. And I'm not sure that God does Or and we're fairly convinced that God is not at risk of forgetting either the flood or the promise. But I think these symbols of the covenant serve to re mind us. To make God and us mindful again. To emphasize God's commitment and benevolent intention toward us again. It points us toward a God who has loved humanity from the beginning and will to the very end, whose covenants are signs, reminders of God's care for us and whose symbols make us mindful of what matters to God. So God's covenant with Noah was the first of many promises that show up in Scripture. Later in Genesis, we remember God's covenant with Abraham to bless all the people of the earth through Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And in Exodus, we remember God's covenant with Moses, sealed with the Ten Commandments as a commitment for the way we should be together with God. And in 1 Corinthians, that Catherine read, we remember God's covenant through Jesus, the promise of forgiveness of sin and new life in Christ that we remember every time we break the bread and pour the cup. These covenant promises provide a common thread that helps us to know God's desire for relationship in different ways throughout Scripture and with visible reminders at every turn. Bow, stars, tablets, bread, and cup. And if those signs serve to remind God, they also serve to remind us. Because a promise goes two ways. And God's covenant commitment invites our response, our mindfulness, our promise in return. In that way, the bow in the sky or the bread and cup that we share are not simply symbols of the church— They're an invitation to an intentional, mindful, purposeful relationship with God. And so we come to church together, and we tell the stories of Scripture again and again, and we remember them and share them with our children because they help us to know and trust God's promise to be with us through it all. If God was with us through floods, through times of wilderness, through death and resurrection, then we can trust that God will be with us in our own lives and challenges as well. That's the God we're here to be in relationship with. That's the God we are called to remind ourselves of. My friend Dawn is a pastor in South Carolina. And one day one of uh, her church members named Ann called and asked her if Dawn could bring communion to the house. Anne was in her late 50s and had faced a long road with cancer and she knew that her days were short. And her kids who were in their mid-20s had come home and everyone was gathered in those final tender days when life feels so raw and real and uh, life and death are oh so close together. And before Dawn made it to the house while they were still on the phone, Anne told Dawn that she wanted that sacrament to be one of the last things that she did with her kids. Because that breaking of bread and pouring of cup had been the reminder for her throughout her whole life and especially throughout her cancer treatment that God loved her no matter what. And she knew that soon she wasn't going to be there to remind her kids to go to church. So she wanted this moment to remind them that God loves them. She wanted to leave them with that sign, that reminder that would help them remember God the way God had been with her. And so Don grabbed one of uh, her musicians because Anne loved to sing and gathered at Anne's house. And they read scripture together and they sang together and they prayed together. And then Don broke the bread and poured out the cup, signs of God's new covenant, and said, any time we eat this bread and drink this cup. We do this in remembrance of the God of love. And then Dawn gave Anne this smallest bite, knowing how hard it was to swallow in those days, and Anne found the strength to smile, knowing that her kids, whether they remembered to go to church or not, would remember that moment forever. And Anne said, God is here. Just like the power of seeing a rainbow after the storm, every time the bread is broken and the cup is poured out, from then on, her kids would be reminded of God's love for them. A love that shows up amidst suffering. A love as unconditional as their own mom's. So we tell these stories. And we hold on to these holy reminders so that we remember the God who is mindful of us forever and ever. Amen.